The Insurance and Injury Law Show, one 9646 Any time to get a hold of Savan James or a member of the team, help at the insurancelawyer.ca. Guys, we will get into all kinds of things today, questions and emails, the injury calculator, but we always start with the uh, the week that was, some cases of interest. James, you're going to start it off, yeah? There is a story in the Toronto Star not very long ago. It involves a Giller Prize winner, or at least finalist, I should say. The Giller Prize is uh, a Canadian prize for literature, and the gentleman's name is Samuel Archibald. In addition to being an author, he's also a professor at the University of Quebec. And, as it turns out, he also suffers from depression. Last fall, he wasn't able to continue working because of his depression, and he had an insurance policy with Desjardins for disability benefits, and so he applied to receive benefits, and as it turns out, November, they denied him. A few months later, he finds out from his doctor that the reason they denied his benefits is because they did some snooping on his social media. They looked at his Facebook and his Instagram, and on his social media pages were pictures of him exercising, spending time with his family, And having fun, smiling in a few pictures. And so they deny his benefits. Now, a few things that we need to discuss here. One, I mean, I think this is common sense at this point. People understand that what you see on people's social media, what you see on Facebook, is not an accurate depiction of a person's life. It's it's probably the best of, and in some cases, it's not even... Close to representative of what yeah, their life is actually like. Snapshot, right? Exactly. So you know, people put their best moments out yeah. there. That doesn't mean that that's what their life is like. We know this, and in fact, there is a recent story. Um, the lead singer of the band Lincoln Park, uh, his name Chester Bennington. Very tragic story. Last year, he committed suicide, uh, and his widow, uh, a few months later, shared with the world pictures of uh, her late husband just days before he took his own life. And in those pictures, he is smiling, he is spending time with his family, and you would never know that this is someone who was depressed. So what people post on social media, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that this is what their life is about. And yet, this insurance company, Mr. Archibald's insurance company, Desjardins, used this as a basis for denying his claims. So the meaning of you know what you post on social media, I mean, it may be meaningless. We may know that it's meaningless, but it does have a real effect. You know, this is something that, you know, the insurance company used as the primary basis for denying his claim. That doesn't mean that you can't post things on social media, but there are lessons to be learned from this. And the first one should be obvious. Be careful. If you have an ongoing legal claim, whether it's a disability claim or an injury claim, be careful about what you post to social media because people will try and take it out of context. They will try and use it against you. So that means, you know, make sure that you're your security settings are set as high as you are comfortable setting them. Make sure that nobody is entitled to post on your wall if you use Facebook without your permission. Um, and just keep, you know, very care- be very careful about what is on your social media pages. The other major lesson here is that when you're denied your disability claims, you want to make sure that you contact a lawyer right away. You want to call us immediately so that we can start a claim because insurance companies take positions like this. They, you know, it's not a legitimate position to take, but it's something that they are going to do over and over again unless you challenge them. And that's the only way around this. Even though it's completely innocuous, you posting pictures of, you know, having a good time, spending time with your family, um, that doesn't mean that they're not going to try and use it against you. And if you're suffering from depression, from anxiety, from mental health issues, 
Um, you know, th- it's exactly the type of thing that insurance companies are relying on. They think that if they deny you, that you're not going to have the fight. You're not going to be willing to, you know, call someone and to challenge their decision. Well, you know, don't make them right. Call us right away and we can bring a legal claim. We, we can challenge their decision and we can show them that they're wrong. I mean, you know, this is someone whose doctor has told them, you know, you can't continue working. Your depression um, is not something that's going to allow you to continue working, at least until you, you know, improve. And yet the insurance company denied them. So this is something that we see all the time and is something that can and should be challenged. And you know, Savannah, we talked about this before and, and with mental health too, but also with physical injuries. Maybe the, the snapshot of you at the gym and the treadmill is actually prescribed therapy, right? But it can it can go against you. It, it might not be something, you know, devilish in the background. It might be something you're supposed to be doing to get physically better, to get off insurance, to get off your coverage, right? That's absolutely right. And in fact, I have a case right now where my, uh, my client has suffered uh, a uh, respiratory injury. So it's an injury to his lungs. And the interesting thing is that as a result of this injury, my client has these terrible coughing, uh, coughing episodes, mm-hmm. uh, wheezing. Uh, you know, he has these episodes where he, he feels like he's suffocating. And, the, you know, the, defendants, the, the insurance company hired uh, an investigator to do surveillance, which, again, is common. It's, yep. This is just what happens. And they show him uh, on his boat and they show him enjoying himself and potentially even running somewhere. That's what they, they, they allege in the description they've given me. And, and, you know, the interesting thing is that they also had my client assessed by one of their expert doctors. And their expert doctor actually commented in his report specifically that my client had one of these episodes, these coughing episodes, and it was extremely uh, um, disturbing for him. And he can only imagine that it would be disturbing for people, you know, uh, just generally at work. Exactly. So my point is that these, this type of surveillance and, and you know, private investigators, you know, uh, uh, take, take, taking uh, uh, pictures, that's stuff that happens frequently, unfortunately, whether you come to us or not, it doesn't really matter. If you have a claim with an insurance company, chances are they're going to do it. Uh, but there, there are ways to challenge them on that. There are ways to undermine uh, their claims that because of this surveillance, because of what it purports to show, this individual is not disabled and is not injured. Oftentimes, that's just nonsense. Yeah. And, and also, just to pick up on what you were saying, John, before, you're absolutely right. This is almost typically, almost always what's typically prescribed for someone suffering from a mental health claim. You know, the doctors aren't going to tell you that you should stay in home in bed. Um, and in the dark. Exactly. Yeah. No, what they're going to, you know, I'm not a mental health professional, but, you know, I've had enough clients who are, and I've seen the recommendations frequently enough that I feel confident in saying that the, you know, typical advice is going to be to get out, to do things, yeah. to try to enjoy yourself. And that, you know, this person has done that is not, you know, something that can and should be used against them, nor is it representative of what their life is like as a whole. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. Lots more on the way. Plus the injury calculator. We'll give you some details what that is all about. After a short break in the insurance and injury law show, this is Global News Radio six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number to get a hold of James Savan. The rest of the firm anytime. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to some of your emails here. 
in just a little bit. And MyDisabilityQuestions.com, make sure you check that website out. I know Savannah will talk a little bit more about that as the uh, show rolls on here. What do you got, pal? Well, John, since you mentioned MyDisabilityQuestions.com, that's a fantastic website. It's free to use. If you are on LTD or short-term disability, if uh, you know you have questions that have to do with disability uh, claims, you've been cut off, you've been denied, go on that website if you don't want to call us or email us and just post your question. It can be anonymous and I'll answer your questions. And if you go on the website, you can actually search through a lot of the questions and answers from the past, for the past few years. So let, let, me, let me go through actually one of these uh, questions that was just received this week and uh, we'll dissect it. So this one uh, came in uh, on uh, February 14th and here's what it says. Is an employer able to cut an employee's contract when an LTD appeal has been filed? So clearly this individual here is asking about their employment situation. And again, I want to emphasize, we have lawyers at the firm that don't just deal with long-term disability and injury claims, but a lot of our lawyers are employment lawyers. And that's a huge benefit when we are dealing with whether it's an employment matter or an LTD matter, because we can deal with all aspects, uh, all, all the legal aspects that are affecting the individual. So in this case, you know, the person is worried that you know, they were apparently cut off or, or denied uh, LTD, long-term disability. Uh, they have or are going to be filing an appeal, which I'll talk about in a second. And they're concerned, what is their employer going to do? You know, a lot of people out there work for companies that for whatever reason, the companies just don't know what their obligations are to those employees. And I know, John, I mean, you talk with my partner, Lior, all Mm -hmm. the time on the employment hour about these kinds of things. Remember, if you are disabled, your employer is not legally allowed to let you go. And if they let you go, then other than the severance that they owe you, they potentially are going to owe you human rights damages. Now, if you are denied or cut off LTD, don't appeal. This individual here is alluding to an appeal. Mm. Do not appeal. You contact us. If you appeal that decision, chances are you are going to be rejected again and again and again every time you appeal these cutoffs and denials of LTD. But the important thing to understand here is that if you are concerned about your employer because you have an LTD claim, don't be. And give us a call if you are, because we can talk to you about both the LTD component of the claim as well as your employment concerns. And oftentimes when somebody is afraid that their employer is going to let them go, oftentimes that's what happens. The employer lets them go. So again, you're going to have this interaction between LTD and employment. And not only do we have lawyers that do employment and LTD, but we have some lawyers that do specifically both areas. Like, you know, the lawyers themselves, they, they, they handle LTD and employment cases. So very, very important to give us a call or email us if you have those kinds of concern that relate not just to LTD, but employment. That is help at the insurance lawyer.ca and one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six as well. What else you got going on? Okay, so let's talk about another uh, long-term disability case that came across my desk. This is uh, from an individual who's 56 years old. And his concern is that he actually applied for LTD and it's been over two months and hasn't received a response. He's been following up and nothing has been happening. Now, this person suffered a heart attack and his own doctor, I guess his family doctor and cardiologist both said, you know, you should be applying for LTD. And of course, he did that uh, and uh, nothing has happened. This is from back in December of, of, of last year. And he wanted to know, you know, what do I do? What are my options in the event that I get denied? And again, this is very easy for us, you know, to, to uh, uh, tell people, just give us a call. You're not going to pay anything to talk to us. You're not going to uh, be obligated to sign anything if you talk to us. 
at the very least, by talking to us, you're going to understand your legal rights, your entitlements. You know, this individual here, this 56-year-old person who's contacted me, you know, he worked for the same employer for 30 years. He's making almost six figures. I can understand why he's extremely concerned that he cannot work right now, and for over two months, he's getting no response from the insurance company. The insurance company should be able to give you a response within a week, two weeks max. If this is dragging on and you can't get a hold of anyone, contact us. Let us deal with the insurance company. one 9646 and it is help at the as well. Uh, injury Calculator, give me some quick details on it. Injury Calculator is an online tool. It's anonymous. And what it is, it allows you, if you've been injured uh, through no fault of your own, uh, be it from a car accident or a slip and fall on ice, you know, and, and you've suffered some kind of an injury, you want to know, does it make sense to start a legal claim? What can I be looking at in terms of damages, in terms of compensation, you know, a dollar figure for my injury? Maybe you broke your ankle. Maybe you got a concussion. What, whatever the injury is, you want to know, you want to get a starting point, but you perhaps don't want to call us or you don't want to call a lawyer. Uh, for whatever reason, you want to do, you know, your own Google searches. Well, Go no further. Go to that website. It's a database that we've assembled of cases from across the country where uh, other individuals who have suffered these injuries, like yours, have gone all the way to court and judges have awarded damages for those injuries. And so what happens is that if you go on that website and, and you uh, uh, input uh, some key pieces of information, such as what is your injury, the severity of the injury, uh, where were you injured, things like that, It will scan through the database of cases and it will give you a range at the end of it. This whole thing takes about 15, 20 seconds. It'll give you a range of how much money you can potentially be looking at uh, for your pain and suffering. But remember, it's only for your pain and suffering. It's not for income loss. It's not for out-of-pocket expenses. These are all above and beyond the pain and suffering component of the claim. Now, at the end, when you get the results, you you can either close the browser or you can click Submit. We get the submission, we get in touch with you and have a more comprehensive discussion about your case. But again, you don't have to do that. This is just a starting point. Anonymous allows you to just figure out really quickly within seconds how much money compensation you are potentially entitled to for your injuries. Injurycalculator.ca is the website. We'll get to more of your emails or get to some of your emails after a short break. Help the insurance lawyer.ca and the number one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. It's the insurance and injury law show, Global News Radio, six forty Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca for email. We'll get to one right now from Grant. I'll give this one to you guys, Savan and uh, James. You can guys can Dissect this. Grant says, I've been uh, denied long-term disability three times now. Uh, my doctor wrote a letter, a lot of letters actually, explaining my condition, but the insurance adjuster won't change their mind. How long do I have to start a legal claim? I was first denied almost two years ago. Uh-oh. I've uh, been living with my brother because I can't afford my own place, so I can't pay a lawyer to help me. Help. John, you you bumped on what is uh, the screaming issue in this email here when he said he was denied almost two years ago. If you listen to our show on a regular basis, you know that that is an immediate red flag that just gets thrown up there right away. When you're denied your disability claim, you have two years from that date to bring a legal action challenging that decision. It does not matter whether you appeal after that first denial or not. The clock starts running Mm -hmm. as soon as they send that first denial. And so Grant has written us, fortunately, just under two years, according to his email. So 
Um, you know, if we can uh, talk about this, we can get a claim started right away, and Grant's going to be okay. Having said that, you know, Grant has also spent two years challenging this decision, and we could have started a claim on the first denial. Uh, that's when you really want to do it, because the sooner you start a claim, the sooner you get it resolved. There's no reason to wait. You can appeal as many times as you want, but you're just going to find they're going to continue to deny your claim. They denied it the first time, and you're appealing to the same people that are denying it. Do you really expect that they're just going to change their mind? Of course, you know, maybe there's, you know, some major fact that, you know, you didn't disclose to them that they missed. But that's almost never the case. That's almost never the case. And even when it is, they still almost always are going to deny you. So don't waste your time. Get your claim started as soon as you possibly can. The other thing I do want to touch on here um, is the the difference between a denial and an appeal. Grant has said that he's been denied three times now. Um, this is really just the language that we use, but it's important. it's important to make that distinction. The denial is what happens the first time around, either when you apply and they tell you that they won't pay, or when they have been paying and they cut you off. That's the denial. Everything after that is an appeal. Okay, so just keep those terms straight. It's from the denial, which is the first time they tell you that they aren't going to pay your benefits. That's when the clock starts running. Pretty sneaky maneuver, too. They keep appealing, denying, dying. And finally, you're out of two years. You didn't know that. Then you're done. Yeah, I mean, and that happens repeatedly all the time. And, and you know, uh, in the majority of, of uh, situations where, you know, once in a blue moon, the appeal actually works, you know what I've seen, John? I've seen those types of claims within a matter of months uh, the person gets cut off yeah. again. So, so not only d- you know did you work so hard and and finally were successful in your appeal, which which is again very very rare uh, in my experience. But you know then after the fact, after you've been successful, you've given them everything. Within a month, two months, five months, a year, they've cut you off. Remember the fact that they reinstate you after an appeal doesn't mean that they're not going to cut you off at some point down the road. And, and, you know, again, I mean, you know, James and I are looking at this also from the perspective of, of lawyers who used to work for insurance companies. And, you know, there is a rationale here. I mean, sometimes they have legitimate grounds to deny claims. But in the vast majority of cases and people that we speak with, no, they are completely wrong. The insurance companies are wrong. But people think that they have no rights and people think that they can't stand up to these insurance companies. And again, something that James and I have been talking about over and over on this show every week, unless you start a legal claim against the insurance company, anytime you go through this appeal process, the power is still in the hands of the insurance company. That's the thing you have to understand. So long as the power is in their hands, they are controlling your fate when it comes to your LTD claim. As soon as we start a legal claim, that power is now taken away from their hands because ultimately they understand that there may be a third party, like a judge, making a decision, and they're not interested. They're not interested in having this go before a third party. They understand that if your claim is legitimate, if your doctors are saying that you can't work, that they're going to get hammered. Not only are they going to have to pay you what you owed, but you're, they're going to have to pay us for our fees. They're going to have to pay their lawyers for their fees. They don't want that. So what happens is that when we start a legal claim, we a lot of times end up getting, and James, correct me if I'm wrong, I certainly get this, I get calls from the defense lawyer that was just appointed to defend the insurance company saying, do you want to go to mediation? Do you want to try and settle the claim? Do you want to try and resolve all the issues? 
And, and, you know, that tells you something. It tells you something when the defense lawyer that was appointed by the insurance company to defend the insurance company is calling us, extending a hand let's and saying, let's yeah. wrap this up. Exactly. I mean, that just, it, it explains to you that it, it's, it's a bluff. It's a bluff by the insurance company, but you need to be able to understand how to call that bluff. And, and that's exactly what we do. And we do that day in and day out. And, you know, if we and listen, oftentimes when we reach these settlements, our clients sign uh, releases against the insurance company because they're getting money in return, right, what they're owed, but they also sign confidentiality. So we actually can't go out here and tell you in detail all the settlements that we've had right. for all our clients. Indeed, we can speak generally, but we sign these releases with confidentiality clauses exactly for this reason, because insurance companies don't want you to know, to understand that they've paid X amount to this person that they cut off right. and denied three times when that person was trying to appeal their right. decision. So don't waste your time with the appeals. Give us a call or email us. Have a, a quick discussion with us, and we'll tell you what your legal rights are. And by the way, I want to mention one more thing. If you call us, that's not that doesn't mean automatically that you have a case. Okay? I mean, we, we actually we screen uh, individuals' cases, and and we'll tell you we'll tell you if we think it makes sense for you to proceed with a case or not. Do you have a case or do you not? So we're not telling you give us a call because automatically we're going to be able to get you money. No, but specifically in long-term disability cases. You know if you can't work, especially when your doctors are supporting you. And that's what we want to see. That's why we ask you for those medical reports. Mm -hmm. We want to understand what exactly you submitted to the insurance company and how strong your case is. And maybe we can tell you and help you uh, to make your case even stronger. But to do that, you have to get in touch with us. 1-888-990-9646 one 990 and help the This is the Insurance and Injury Law Show. More of it coming up. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. If you haven't checked it out yet, injurycalculator.ca. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim should be. Punch in. Takes about thirty seconds to go through that uh, particular program. And if you want to walk away anonymous at that point, you can do so, or click a button at the bottom and get in touch with James or uh, Savannah or someone else from the firm. Lauren writes in, says my mother is on LTD for a back injury that's permanent. Uh, her neurologist said that she always has or have issues with her hands as well as headaches. She was an executive assistant, and she's 58. Her disability insurer say that they'll cut her off in May because they think that she could do something else. But even the people that are hired to test her said that she's incapable of working, period. We're not sure uh, what can be done about this. All right, let, let's think about this here. We're talking about someone that has a back injury, hand injuries, mm-hmm. and headaches. So the back injury, you know, you know she can't do anything physical. Not that she was before. She had a sedentary job. But anything physical is now out of the question. Hand injuries means that even if she could sit for extended periods of time, which is pretty unlikely with a back injury, it's not like she's going to be able to be able to type or to do anything involving a computer. And the headaches mean that even if she could sit for extended periods of time, she's going to have unpredictable periods of time where she's not able to focus. I don't know what on earth they think that she can do. And frankly, their own experts have already told them. They've told the insurance company that they that she can't work. This is obvious. This is what we call low-hanging fruit. This is not a difficult claim to dispute. You know, sometimes the insurers just do things to make it easy. So what do you do? You start a legal claim. You give us a call. We start a legal claim. And included in that claim is going to be a claim for what we call extra contractual damages. So that means punitive damages, aggravated damages. We're looking at the actions of the insurance company, what they have done, 
And these extra contractual damages are available to punish the insurance company for bad behavior, for doing things that they know they shouldn't be doing, for not acting in good faith. And they have a duty. Insurance companies have a duty to act in good faith with respect to their insurance. They have to do that. And when they don't, they can get in trouble. And this is how they get in trouble. This is how the courts hold their feet to the fire. They say, you've acted badly and we're going to punish you. Aggravated damages, punitive damages. That's the way that you do it. Now, maybe we maybe we are able to recover something for it, maybe not, but they're going to know that they're exposed for that. Mm-hmm. And because of that, not only are they going to have to come to the table and be reasonable with what Lauren's mother is entitled to under her disability policy, but they're going to have to factor in their own risk that if this case were to ever go to trial, and they would never let it go to trial, but if it ever went to trial, it would be embarrassing for them, not just because what they did would be exposed publicly, but because there's a good chance that they're going to be on the hook to pay more than what they would have owed just under the policy. And that not only makes them look bad, but it lets everyone else know that this is the way that you deal with insurance companies when they're not acting reasonably. You start a legal claim and you challenge their decisions. So you know, this is not a difficult case to advise Lauren with respect to her mother. Give us a call. Let's start a claim right away. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurance lawyer.ca. So how important is it that when you know people have multiple reasons for being unable to work, like Lauren, that all these issues are presented to the insurer rather than just say the most serious one that's you know glaring? You know, John, it's it's very, very important because people just have a tendency to focus on what bothers them most. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about an injury claim, you know, a car accident situation, a slip and fall, whatever, um, a disability claim. You go to your doctor and, you know, some doctors will tell you that they will only deal with one complaint, you know, at, at any uh, visit. And some doctors will simply hurry you and, and, you know, you feel like you can't talk about all of what's bothering you. It's very, very important uh, that when you go to your doctor that you really speak uh, about everything that is bothering you, that is preventing you from working. And when you're dealing with an LTD insurer uh, or, or an STD insurer, it's very, very important that uh, you know, your, your, your um, functional uh, picture right, of, of what you can do, what you can't do, and why is very clearly outlined in the application for disability. And it's also very important that when you're asking your doctors to provide a report or reports that outline what are the what are your issues, why is it that you cannot work, that they don't just focus on the primary complaint. Like let's say it's just a back pain, but you also have headaches and you also have nausea, you know, every day. And you know, there's other things. It's very important to give a full, full picture. You know, it reminds me that in many instances when people have uh, psychological disabilities, uh, emotional issues, you're dealing with depression, anxiety, phobias, things like that, you know, people don't understand that that's affecting, you know, other aspects of your life, such as sleeping. And that's then going to have a physical impact on you, right? Because now you're going to be lethargic, you're going to be tired, you're going to just have, you know, a variety of symptoms that manifest themselves physically. So very, very important not to just put on the application uh, that you have depression, but you know what are the other things that you now have as a result of that of that condition. So again, you want to make sure that you provide as full a picture as possible to the insurer when you're making a claim. The other thing I would add to that, though, is almost all disability policies um, are uh, allow for multiple types of disabilities and even things that arise after you first go on disability. So you may go on disability initially because of a physical issue, 
Um, but what we see a lot of the time is people who are suffering, suffering from significant physical problems who aren't able to work, who aren't able to function the way that they had been before. Sure enough, over time, they start developing depression, anxiety, because there's no money coming in. And so that can cause you know serious side effects as well and can have a real impact on your life. And that certainly is something that is it should be part of your disability claim. And so if and when that arises, even after you've started your claim, you want to make sure that your insurer knows about it. I had a case not very long ago that started out with one very specific um, defined disability. And that over time resolved, but before it resolved, my client had developed other symptoms, including significant headaches, migraines that prevented her from working. Um, the denial was maintained on the basis that my client's initial disability had resolved, but eventually we went to mediation and they paid. And they paid because they knew they were on the hook. She had an ongoing disability at every point of her claim. And it morphed from one thing into another, but that's fine. That's fine. You have to make sure that your insurer is aware of every type of disability you have at the beginning and at every stage as it goes along. one 990 We'll get to a, a short break here and back to your emails right here on the Insurance and Injury Law Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 is the number. If you haven't checked it out, fightformyltd.com. And help at the insurancelawyer.ca is the email. Blake writes in, says, My wife suffers from very bad rheumatoid arthritis, but because she's very young, she's 37, her long-term disability insurer rejected her claim, saying that she could do some type of work. She only has a high school education. We live in Aurelia, and we appealed this uh, rejection two times already, but she was denied. Her doctor and specialist both say she can't work at all. What do we do? Well, number one, stop appealing. Yeah, right. Um, you know, I, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but this is not helping you. The appeal is not something that's going to generate anything for you. It's useless. Start a legal claim. Give us a call, and we'll start a claim. If your doctors are supporting, uh, like if they're supporting your wife, um, then there's a very good chance that when we start a claim, we're going to be successful. However, the one thing I do want to touch on here, um, I, I noticed that, you mentioned in your email, Blake, that you live in Aurelia. And I suspect the reason that you've mentioned that is because you're you're working in a smaller market. And so the opportunities may be fewer, um, particularly in your wife's field. The one thing that you do have to be aware of is that most disability policies will contain language that says uh, the disability will the disability payments apply as long as you can show that you're disabled uh, from returning to work. But the availability of work is not a factor. So this is really relevant after two years, not initially, but at the two-year mark when um, they're going to say that your wife can go back to work at this point if they ever pay you initially, um, they're going to say that she can do job A, job B, and job C. Mm -hmm. And you may bump on that and say, oh, well, wait a minute, those jobs aren't available. We live in Aurelia. And they're going to say, well, that's too bad. There's language in the policy that says it doesn't matter whether or not um, the, the work is available. And unfortunately, on, on that level, at least they're right. So you have to be careful about that. The availability of work itself doesn't matter. That said, I just want to expand a bit on, on something that uh, James touched on, which is that two-year mark. Uh, Blake specifically says that the insurer rejected her claim because they say that she can do some type of work. Right. And, and, you know, we've talked about this before, but it's very important for people to understand the majority of LTD policies out there uh, distinguish between the first two years 
of LTD and beyond the two-year mark. Within the first two years, the question is not can you do any other type of work, but can you do your own job? That's the issue. And in this case, it, it, I, I would think, without having even the medical records to look at, but, but you know, by virtue of the fact that the insurance companies are saying she can do some other type of work, it's indicating to me that, at least implicitly, they are agreeing that she can't do her job. I'd want to see the denial letters. I want to see the medical uh, reports that they've submitted um, you know, to the insurance company. But you know, the test for the first two years is, can you do your own job? If the answer to that is no, then you should qualify for LTD. Now, at the two-year mark, the, ch- the, the, the test changes, and, and it, it becomes a bit more difficult to meet. The test now becomes, can you do any job for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience? Very, very important to understand because most people out there, a lot of claims that we see, people get denied at the two-year mark. And by the way, oftentimes, they get denied uh, incorrectly. In other words, the person cannot do any other type of job uh, for which they're suited for by training, education, or experience. So again, remember, even if you get LTD for the first two years and then you're cut off, don't assume that that cutoff for the two-year mark is correct. Give us a call, email us, let us chat with you, review the documentation, and we'll tell you if, in fact, you should be qualifying beyond the two-year mark. Look, if you are 30 years old, 40 years old, 50 years old, Unless you're 63 years old and your policy ends at 65 and you only have two years to go, then it's worthwhile to have a chat with us so we can tell you if you, in fact, would qualify beyond the two-year mark, especially if you're telling us and your doctors are telling you and us that you cannot work. You know, it's it's something that you should just keep in mind and don't simply assume that because the insurance company says two-year mark, you know, the two years are up, you're not getting anything anymore, don't assume that they are correct. Blake also mentioned that she only has high school. Does the level of education make a difference? Initially, it doesn't. So, again, when we're applying for disability benefits, the initial test, as we were just talking about, is whether or not you can return to the job that you had at the time you went on disability. And so whatever level of education you have, whether you're a PhD or just have a high school diploma, it doesn't matter. The focus of the inquiry is what you were doing before and whether you can return to it. It's only after two years of receiving benefits at this change of definition does your education factor in. And again, this is the language in the policies typically, whether or not after two years you are able to do any job that you are capable of doing based on your training, education, and experience. So yes, at that point, your education plays a factor. And so that will define the the scope of uh, of employment that you might be capable of doing based, again, training, education, and experience. So that is a factor. But only after you've received benefits for two years. one 990 is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll bounce right back over to your emails after a short break in the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. 1-888-990-9646 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We talked about it earlier as well. You want to find out what the pain and suffering component of a claim should be. That is simple, injurycalculator.ca as well. Dennis, email, throw this to one of you guys, says, uh, I was in a bad car crash last year and I'm still not working. Some guy ran a red light and smashed into my family's car. My wife is also unable to work because of, their, uh, because of her concussion. I broke a few ribs, my knee, and dislocated my left shoulder. 
I've got long-term disability for now, but uh, should I think about other compensation from the other driver? Will that interfere with my disability claim? Do I need different lawyers for my car accident and my disability claims? A lot of questions there. Yeah, lots of questions, John. And uh, so, so let me let me tackle this one, Dennis. Uh, first of all, I'm I'm very sorry to hear about the accident. I mean, both you and your wife. I, this is must be taking a huge toll financially, emotionally, and in every which way. Um, you know, from a legal standpoint, to answer your basic question, uh, no, you actually don't need different lawyers. Now, some lawyers you will go to potentially go to uh, will tell you we only do long term disability, we only do injury claims. Uh, and by the way, you, you guys, you know, both you and your wife may have employment issues. And so, you know what, you're going to go to a third lawyer for that as well. Again, one of the things I keep highlighting is that our lawyers at our firm specifically deal with all of these areas of law. And why is that important? Because there is an interaction in terms of compensation between all of these areas, employment, disability, uh, and of course, the, the car accident. So let's talk about the basics. You guys were in a car accident. Once you're in a car accident and you're injured, and someone else was at fault, you have two viable claims here, legal claims. One is with respect to your accident benefits, and that's for income replacement benefits. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, medical rehabilitation benefits. And, and again, you know, there's a whole bunch of benefits that you could potentially be entitled to depending on the severity of your injuries and your wife's injuries. Those you should be applying for or should have applied for you know, almost immediately after, after the, uh, the, the, the uh, car accident. Mm. Now, compensation is against the other driver, whoever caused the accident. That's called a tort claim. Very, very important in a case like yours that that claim gets started as soon as possible. Now, that claim asks for uh, very similar types of compensation that your accident benefits uh, is going to give you, like you know, medical rehabilitation expenses that you have to expend out of pocket, uh, income losses into the future, but also for pain and suffering. And again, remember, there are different categories of damages that we can go after. So very important to understand that you do, both you and your wife, have a claim against the at-fault driver. I mean, really, it's going to be that driver's insurance company that's going to have to come to the table for those categories of compensation. So now you have a claim against that driver, their insurance company, you have a claim against your own insurance company with respect to benefits you are owed, and of course you're getting long-term disability. And then there's going to be a question as to who pays what. And again, it's beyond the scope right now and the time that we have on the show to really delve into it, but I can tell you that you're going to have these overlaps because LTD is essentially income replacement, but you're also entitled to income replacement from your insurance company, but you're also entitled to income loss from the other insurance company. Right? So at this point, people who are listening are thinking to themselves, oh my God, it's too complicated. Well, it's technical. That's what we do on a daily basis. That's why speaking with us as soon as possible, we would be able to really map everything out for you and your wife and explain to you all your legal options. And the fact that you're getting LTD right now, that's great. But in our experience, you're probably going to get cut off at some point. Or one insurer is going to say, I want a credit, you know, for the benefits and, and, and the money that you're getting from this other insurance company. There may be a dispute. So now you're dealing with several insurance companies. Again, even more of a reason to get us involved because you won't know which insurance is doing what, why this insurance is acting this way and not that way. Very, very important that we get involved ASAP here. You know, you guys both worked for insurance companies before. So what's the secret as to, you know, how they work on the inside? What's the secret, your perspective as former employees? Give us the dirt. It's funny. When I, when I you think about this issue, you know, you see the commercials on television and insurance companies like to portray themselves as, you know, the good neighbor. They're there for you when you're in need. I think of them a little bit differently, as it turns out. <laughs> uh, you remember Jaws? Remember uh, Robert Shaw's <laughs> character, Quint? 
hit a line. You know the thing about a shark, he's got lifeless eyes, black eyes, nice. like a doll's eyes. When he comes after you, he doesn't seem to be living. That's your insurance company. Right, nice. That's your, they have one motive, and it is to make money. They are not there to be your friend. They are not there to be helpful. If they are being helpful, it is only because they have absolutely no other option. That is what is driving every single decision that they make. And you should be aware of that, and you should have no illusions about that from the start. Yeah, and, and the, the one thing that we probably want to just distinguish is, yes, that's what the insurance company is there to do, to make a profit. But in terms of who's running these companies on the ground floor, the adjusters, it's like any other company. You have adjusters, you have people there who are working who are bad people, and then you have people who are good people. I mean, listen, I've come across a lot of very good adjusters. Uh, I've come across a lot of people on the other side that, you know, we were um, uh, dealing with a claim. They were against me. They said one thing in the room because they had to, but then, you know, off the record, they told me, I really hope I really hope you can oh, get really, resolved eh? this. I I, I like I like your client. I don't think that we should have cut them off. You know they'll tell us that. And and wow. again, very very important to understand. James is right. Insurance companies are there to make a profit, the most profit that they can make. And there are tools in their bag of tools that they can use to make that happen. They can cut you off. They can deny you a claim. They can just run you to the ground. So the most important thing to understand is that you have rights. Insurance companies can just do whatever they want. But in order to hold their feet to the fire and force them to pay uh, what they are supposed to pay to compensate you, according to what the law says that they have to compensate you, you have to give us a call, email us, get in touch with us so that we can tell you what your rights are and what your options are, and then you can make a decision on how you want to proceed. The point is, you have rights, and we can enforce those rights. Got about a minute to go. Uh, give me some details on fightformyltd.com before we wrap. That's another uh, free website, John, that's been used uh, a ton of times. And what it is is that, again, to the extent that you don't want to call us for whatever reason or email us, you feel shy, but you want to know, do I have a case against my LTD insurer? Uh, you go on that website, and on the left side of the screen, there is some uh, good information about LTD claims, uh, how to make your claim stronger and what to watch out for. On the right side of the screen... There is a questionnaire, five questions. It'll take you literally 10 seconds to answer them. You fill those out. You click submit. I get that uh, submission, and I can tell you fairly quickly if you have a case, if you have a leg to stand on against your insurance company. Again, it doesn't cost you anything, and uh, you know if you don't want to submit, don't submit, but at the very least, go to the website, get some good tips about how to improve your own claim, and if you do want to get in touch with us, just fill out those five simple questions, and I'll tell you if you have a case. Fightformyltd.com is that website. You want to go to injurycalculator.ca as well. And one 990 is the number. That's it for this week. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.